Hi all, welcome to Anime Echoes. So we'll be continuing on for volume 8 of Bakano. So let's just get into it. So the next scene is an interesting one. We start off with Firo just chilling in his cell, then someone tries to talk to him. It's a voice from the cell right next to his. Firo deduces it's the Asian man with the dragon tattoos, one of the inmates who arrived the same day he did. In this moment, we the reader know there is something suspicious about those three inmates because they were forced forward in like the application process. So we definitely felt suspicious hearing this guy talking to Firo. That being said, the conversation, while freaky in its content, doesn't really allude to the greater mysteries as of yet. He wants to know why Firo got thrown into jail, and Firo makes up some shit about like punching a guard. The Asian man reveals that he also had an incident involving a guard, a bit more of like a cannibalistic incident. He chomped down on the guard's neck and enjoyed the meal. He's explaining it in detail and Fira gives his genuine opinion, which is that he thinks this guy's crazy. And so this is like the first incident within this scene where it becomes apparent to Fira that he's surrounded by crazy people. That dragon guy also has something that goes like click, click, click. So not sure what that is, but it could be relevant. Fira thinks it reminds him of Fangs, but you know, we don't know. We also find out his name is Dragon, which I've mentioned before, um, and after this, they both hear a gunshot, and both of them, they don't know why. It's explained by Lad that it's gunshots from the guards, and it's considered training for them. Lad says that he likes the guards in Alcatraz, most likely a lot more than the guards from the previous place that he was in. They had too much confidence, and he did make the guy go insane from thinking that Lad was after him, that other guard, so Lad likes that the guards here are a different breed. Ones that are in touch with death and know that they need to be on their guard, hence the training. There is a like a simmering feeling of danger that they need to be like immersed in to be able to work in a place like this. Lad also comments that he gets that feeling from Firo, that feeling of being scared or in danger. Lad saw it on Firo's face, that immediately when Firo arrived, he was looking around, he gave off the aura that everyone around him was an enemy. Lad further like iterates his hatred for like soft guys who think they're safe and how he wants to end them, though that's what got him captured to begin with. So Firo thinks that Lad is like Claire, which is really interesting because Lad absolutely hates Claire with a passion. Now Isaac pops up too for this conversation and says something hilarious like the the food service here is good, but the pay ain't great. Like, dude, you're in prison. And crazy um Isaac's been in and out of the dungeon like over and over again like he just does he didn't he never really does anything big he does small stuff but he's been put in that dungeon and he's like completely okay with it I guess um Lad explains how he's been like in the dungeon as well for like 10 days but he's very serious about it he explains how you like lose track of time and how isolating it is he talks about how there was like a guy in there for longer and he got like sent to the hospital and he still hasn't returned so like after hearing this, we get like one of the funniest moments in the novel for me, which is this line, Firo swallowed hard and looked at the seat next to him, bewildered. Like I was thinking the exact same thing as Firo, like how the hell are you okay, Isaac? Like I guess Isaac's just crazy. He just, you know, like nothing affects the guy. He's just always positive, gets thrown in the dungeon. He's like someone crazy like Lad talking about how it's actually pretty disorientating. And Isaac's just like... Yeah, like the pay here is not good. Like, <laughs> like what? Now, Isaac begins mentioning how he met a fairy. Firo takes this as delusion at first, but not until Isaac says that the fairy asked about liquor. 
Nafira quickly puts together that this might be the liquor of immortality. That makes him panic, and I think he's spot on. Most likely, the Fira—I mean, the Fira—most likely the fairy was Lisa. Um, fairies are generally like females and like childlike, and that's exactly what Lisa is. She was probably getting information from him. Now we get to one of my favorite like dialogue sequences. So Fira talks to Lad again and asks him, like, kind of half jokingly, if Isaac would also be on his list. Isaac does seem to act like really carefree, like he's not going to die. Shouldn't Lad hate him or want to kill him? But the vibe Isaac gives off isn't something Lad feels obligated to like snuff out. It's probably because Isaac isn't arrogant. Though specifically, it's because his brain is wide in a way that makes the whole issue moot. Like not even worth considering. <laughs> and then Fira says like, it seems that your brain seemed to squeak by without ticking off Lad. And he says this to Isaac. Um, we get like a little pause and Isaac Thanks, lad, for not being mad at him. So Isaac's just so oblivious. It's hilarious. I just really enjoyed this scene, all this banter. But also, like, I didn't expect the banter between Fira, Isaac, and Lad to be so, like, fun and funny. Like, they actually make a surprisingly good trio. Like, I expected Lad to be so crazy that Fira wouldn't want to be talking to him. And I'm sure that's the case after what Lad does later on. But in that moment, these three have a really good dynamic. They also talk about how they're all from like New York, and then we find out that Graham is Ladrusa's little wild brother. Graham tends to like take cars apart and stuff like that. Now this character feels so odd, like he's connected to so many people, and they say Miria knows him too, and we know Jacuzzi does too. It's a strange knowing that like a story happened, but like chronologically going through these books, um, it doesn't like show the event. Like it's refer- like it's referencing something that we haven't actually seen yet. It just, it feels kind of odd, but like, I guess it's kind of the beauty of Bakunam as well. Also, just to like further kind of reiterate like how, or illustrate how good their dynamic is, we get a really good page, like a page that's drawn of Isaac, Fira and Lad together just kind of talking. So I thought that was really well drawn and really helped kind of emphasize that they actually do have a pretty good dynamic. Now things kick into high gear when the black man, so like one of the inmates who arrived with Firo, is holding up another of the inmates who arrived with Firo. So that's the like the white guy who like kind of murmurs to himself. So the black guy whose name is Gig um, is annoyed by the murmuring and thinks the white man is saying something. He's holding him by his throat and um, kind of choking him with his arms. The guards are moving in, but this scene is the perfect scene according to Lat. We get a little window into how Lad's brain works and where he talks about this scene of Gig choking someone presents him with an opportunity and how he is at the behest of the best opportunity when it presents itself. How when something's that perfect, he's willing to risk his life and live with no regrets. And this is exactly the scene he wants. The scene that opens things up for him. So Lad gets up and states that he's going to go like fulfill his goals of trying to kill Huey Lafare. Nafira is obviously shocked as that Huey was mentioned, as it's also his goal too, just in a different way. Like, he doesn't want to kill him, but he needs to, um, like, figure out something. Lad goes up to fight and punches Gig in the gut and then square in the nose, knocking him completely unconscious. Now, the guards are already there, and the guards are very hesitant with Lad. They know he's a wild beast, and they've had an incident with him before. They treat him like he owns, like, a shotgun almost. Like, they're that wary. But ultimately, he gets taken away to the dungeon. That was his plan, after all. That is where Huey is being held. And he's interested in that fairy as well that Isaac was talking about. Now, Fira is very surprised by this, and it makes sense why. Things weren't that awful just yet, so the weight of what it means to be in Alcatraz hadn't hit him just yet. But upon having that awful conversation with, like, the cannibalist dragon, 
and then having a pleasant conversation with Lad, and then seeing him destroy someone immediately after with a punch so powerful it seemed inhuman. The reality of the type of people who would actually be in a prison like Alcatraz hit Fira again. That reality was laid bare to him, that everyone around him might be a loose cannon and absolutely crazy. Desperately wanting to find someone who was somewhat more normal or like less violent, Fira wants to know why Isaac was put in Alcatraz. He wants someone to trust badly. Isaac just reveals that he was put in Alcatraz because they couldn't put him in a regular prison. His sentence was just 50 days and Victor set it up. Fira figures out that it was most likely Victor using Isaac as like a bribe against him and Ennis and Fira is now absolutely pissed off at Victor now for putting him in this situation. Coupled with the realization that everyone outside of him or outside of Isaac were loony and how awful that actually is and seeing how he got played by Victor who put him in this situation, he can't help but feel like deep anger at the situation he finds himself in. Uh, just lastly, there's this like funny joke where like Lad makes up some like nonsense about how Gig was going to throw the muttering white guy at Lad, and he says this to like confuse the guards, right? But Isaac just totally buys into it and is like, "So that big man was trying to kill Lad? Ooh, that was a close one. Like just Isaac being Isaac." Now, overall, I thought this scene was great. Like it really honed in the reality of the situation, like seeping into like the bone marrow of Firo. Like, Fira is very uncomfortable, and that creates some, like, good, like, tension for the story, I think. Uh, also, as mentioned before, um, the dynamic with Lad, Fira, and Isaac is just fantastic. I'm really hoping they all see each other again. I'm hoping that they aren't on opposite sides when that happens. At least just to get a bit more banter before Fira and Lad probably end up on opposite sides. But, you know, like, that probably won't happen. Um, like this, this scene makes it feel like Fira just realized that Lad is someone he should absolutely not mess with at all under most some like most circumstances. Lastly, you know, just some predictions. Dragon is still kind of suspicious in my opinion. I don't think Gig is that suspicious only because he's made out to be like the guy who gets taken out. I think the white man is also still suspicious as well. Like he's always just muttering him to himself. Last time he was just off on his own. He's still. I don't know, there's something strange about him. Um, though he did seem, like, powerless, like, in the scene. Like, he was taken out pretty easily. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Either way, keen to see what happens next. I thought this was, a, like, a really great scene. Um, so, in the next scene, things are starting to really, like, heat up as a certain incident occurs. We jump over to Victor and the rest of the Bureau, and he gives a pretty interesting description of Huey. He talks about how he's a researcher, and he doesn't really get the end mixed up with the means. So even if you figure out what he's thinking, you can't figure out the means. If you try to stop him, he'll just include you as part of the experiment. It's hard to tell whether he's stubborn or flexible, because his experiments don't really have a like a beginning, middle, and end. It's a plan that's constantly in motion. This could be referring to like Huey's idea of time in the previous novel, about how it's non-linear. Huey's plan is also non-linear and therefore, you know, kind of hard to grasp. They also consider that the other inmates that, um, like, arrived with Fira to be, like, Nebula's doing. Now, Edward was about to, like, say something about Fira, but then the phone rings and we cut away to the Alvair. We jump over to a conversation with Ronnie. It's someone asking for a favour from him to break someone out of prison. And Ronnie says that, like, to this person, that... In order to use, like, his unlimited power, that'll put them on the side of things. Essentially, that they will be, like, kind of part of the Martillo family, 
because he only ever uses his power for the family. He also mentions to the person that the person she slash he is trying to save is someone that they are drawn to from the bottom of their heart. Now this person is kind of unsure whether it's up for them to decide their fate. The person decides to kind of hold off and Warren gives some advice that the police have already gotten to their apartment and that they should stay with their friends and kind of cry their eyes out for a while. While it may be true what the person this person's trying to save did to be selfish, it's for that very reason why you're drawn to him. This entire conversation is probably between Ennis and Ronnie. It could also be Miria. Um, so it could be Ennis because she knows Ronnie and they have worked together. She was with him for like the last two volumes. And the person she wants to break out is Firo. And Firo sacrificing himself for Ennis can be considered selfish in the sense that she never asked him to do it. But, um, but that's also what she likes about him. And Ronnie mentions that as well, that she's drawn to him because of that. Um, it could be Miria too, though I do doubt it but only because she does go cry her eyes out with her friends at Millionaire's Row, uh, which is exactly what Ronnie proposes for this person to do. Um, and Isaac too, like, sacrificed himself to save Miria and is in prison. Overall, this is probably Ennis, and the police arriving at an apartment gives more credence to that. I don't even know if Isaac and Miria have an apartment, but I know Fira and Ennis share one, so it's probably Ennis. Um, so I like this discussion a lot because we just get, like, Ronnie's responses but we can very easily kind of fill in the gaps based on his wording. Like, it's literally just Ronnie says whatever, and our minds fill in the blanks. So, like, it's really fun and unique. And it's just a really fun and unique way to, like, convey a conversation and also to hide who the person asking this conversation is. And whoever that person is, we really get into their world and what they're going through, despite not actually hearing a word of what they said. So once it's revealed who this person is, we'll have like greater insight into their mind and like, yeah, into their mind. And so this was done in a pretty unique way. And I really, really thought it was kind of um, like kind of captivating. Now, Ronnie stops reminiscing about that conversation, right? So that's in the past. And he's talking with Miser. Ronnie says he's pondering love. Um, I think this is even more evidence for Ennis, though that could also work for Miria. Um, Miser is worried about Firo. He is in Alcatraz after all. Now, Ronnie asks if he regrets being a Mafia member to Miser. Now, Miser says that he regrets summoning Ronnie, but he doesn't have, like, the faintest regret now that he's, like, here. And Ronnie says likewise. Now, after this, some, like, static starts, and we tune into a radio. We get notified Placido Russo is believed to be involved with, like, a certain kidnapping, and there are, like, serial bombing incidents that took place in Ellison Hill in Illinois. Like, the um, explosives were in 300 locations, so not sure how many casualties there were, but the kidnappings happened in Chicago, and 200 people actually disappeared. Also, Senator Barium is in Chicago, and Ellison Hill is where Nebula's base too. We also hear um, from a conversation that 60% of the residents in Ellison are Nebula personnel. So it's a pretty shocking event, and this seems to be the event that will like kick things off. Like, um, like Ronnie tops it off saying, let's see what you've got, Huey LaFerrey, and all you mortal human beings. Um, so based on Nebula's involvement in the incident, and also the implications that Huey was also part of this incident, you know, the ball is rolling now. Like, things are heating up. 200 kidnapped is a lot, and most likely they are experiment subjects, but I think this is for Nebula, because it's, like, near their town. Um, the bombs could very well be Huey, maybe, um... Honestly, no clue, um, 
but like it's revealed that there weren't any casualties from the bomb and that's kind of very Huey kind of thing he doesn't want to include random people in his experiments like you have to be a subject to get hurt from his experiments um he doesn't involve like innocent people um though if we do find out that there are kind of like victims who are innocent then maybe this is also more nebula stuff now we jump over to China and Spike is wanting her to come along. China is planning to not go along and you know holds out. China is like clenching her knives but then like 10 men kind of walks towards them. They say Spike um, there's like a problem on like their radio. Um, the fact that Spike's group are also surprised by what's going on on the radio is surprising. Especially since we saw like the Nebula head person like interacting with Felix. And we saw Felix interacting with Senator Barium as well. Like, I was under the impression that the Nebula and the Senator were working together in some way. Maybe he's just not privy to all of the information, or maybe Spike was just left out, um, and his men were also left out on the information as well. Um, though, though, Spike notices that there's one too many footsteps. Spike is like, who's this? And then the person says, I'm me. Now, just from that line, it was obvious that it was Claire. Um, so, like, turns out he's just been looking over the entire time, and he, too, had shown up early. He didn't jump in because China just looked way too cute. Um, and Claire reveals that his name is Felix Balkan. And obviously, Spike does, like, a double take and is really confused. Um, there's a hilarious moment where, like, Spike looks over to, like, the former Felix. And he just, like, <laughs> reverts his eye contact. He's just like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, anyway, this was a pretty decent scene. Uh, Claire was bound to show up. And he's as quirky as ever. Um... What I'm really looking forward to is Claire versus Felix, if it happens. Or, um, like the confusion that comes from them having the same name, so this should be good. Now we cut back to the Bureau, and naturally, given the incident of explosions and kidnappings, they are all alarmed. They're confused that they didn't get the broadcast earlier, like it was leaked. Now Victor says something really interesting. Huey LaFerrey, so all the me's he had in New York were decoys. I think what this means is all of their leads on Huey that they were so confident about turned out to be duds. They got played. Um, and after this, a person who appears to be like homeless comes along saying he has a message from Huey. He says, I apologize for adding trouble, but I can't afford to involve you in the relationship between myself and Nebula at this point. So I'm going to tie you down for a bit longer. The homeless person reveals he's got a bomb with a fuse and Victor tells them to get down. Luckily, Bill and Edward had already dived, and the explosion kind of roars in the building. Most likely, Victor got caught in the explosion, considering he's an immortal. Like, Huey knows the explosion can't kill Victor, so it's not like he's intentionally trying to murder him. He just wants to tie him down. I guess he sees Victor as uh, more of a nuisance than, like, anything else. Um, Huey's dialogue is, like, really, like, fascinating. Like, his relationship with himself and Nebula seems to be pretty complicated. Like, he defines it as just a relationship. It doesn't even call them his enemies. Like, it's just a relationship. It feels like there's so much more to kind of be revealed about Huey's dynamic with Nebula. So far, Nebula or Renee just wants his eyes, just another subject for their experiments. At least that's the kind of vibe I get. Um, they both talk about each other like they're just subjects. Or maybe it's just the way Huey talks, I don't know. Um, like, once again, everything is looked at dispassionately. Even if Nebula is his primary foil, at the end of the day, to this, like, detached scientist, or to both of these detached scientists, it's just a relationship within their plans. 
Um, either way, I'm keen to see like the ripple, like the ripple effects of um, how this incident kind of goes. In the next scene, we jump over to Firo, who's in his bed. Dragon is talking to him about what just kind of happened in the prison, at the fact that Lad just punched a guy so hard that they, um, you know, they, they flew. Um, Firo just wasn't particularly enamored by this conversation with Dragon. He doesn't really like Dragon. Um, though there is an interesting part talking about Peter Pan. Like, um, like Firo finds it ironic that despite Claire really admiring Peter Pan, like this boy who doesn't want to, like, grow up, um... Fira was the immortal in the end of it. Like, Fira thinks to himself that he'll mock Shez by calling him Peter Pan, which I think is a pretty apt description for uh, for Shez. Like, there's a um, certain unwillingness to grow up that you get from Peter Pan and Shez too. So, though, for Shez, it's kind of like a darker twist. Um, Dragon also says that his English is really good, and it's not like he lived in, like, an immigrant community. But Fira remembers him talking well with, like, the other Asian, like, inmates as well. Now, before his doubts about the guy he's talking to could actually kind of fully form, a guard kind of appears. He comes in and, like, rips the blanket off Firo. The guard was, like, holding a knife and basically says that he used... Well, he basically ends up using the knife to frame Firo. He makes it sound like Firo found the knife, um, and so, as punishment, he takes him to the dungeon. As Firo is being, like, taken away, we see, like, dragons smiling. Um, like, what does that mean? Like, perhaps I'm, I don't know, I might be, like, interpreting this wrong, but I don't think Dragon planted the knife. Like, I think that smiling is just him being creepy. Like, the guard was just holding a knife and made it seem like Fira stole the knife as part of the show. Like, I don't know what Dragon's role is in all of this. Um, like, if he is one of, like, Huey's men, but he's definitely mysterious for sure. Um, probably Nebula, but, nah, I mean, we'll see. Now, Fira quickly puts two and two together that the guard is someone who works directly for Misery. The guard wants to like speed things up and have Fira and Huey meet. Um, Fira notices that something that is very... that like Doing something like that is very unlike Misery. Like he tends to be more cautious. It doesn't... Like it's not a risk that Misery would be willing to take. The guard confirms that this is kind of the case. Um, and Fira puts together that the guard doesn't just work for Misery. He also works for Huey. So he's a two-timer. Now, Fira is taken into the cell that Huey is kind of held in. Um, he notices that it has, like, windows, and he thinks about how Huey could, like, crush himself to escape, but also how easily they could also trap Huey in this situation. For example, they could easily make Huey suffer for, like, an eternity. Noticing that, like, noticing that, Fira actually thinks that Victor might actually have some sort of kindness within him. Um, the guard also mentions how Huey is wanting to leave soon. Either way, Fira walks into Huey's room, and this is where things get, like, really, really interesting. So the second, like, Fira walks in, he notices Isaac is sitting down on a chair. Now, Fira is obviously surprised to see Isaac, and Huey comes out with his left hand. Now, obviously, having a hand kind of come towards Fira, Fira's muscles go on, like, full alert, and he's very wary, um, and he, like, kind of jolts out of the way. Um, though, his concern does decrease once he realizes it's just Louis not Louis, <laughs> Huey's left hand, not his right hand, um, the one that could actually kill him. Huey comments on how Fira has good agility and how his skills are on like a similar level to Denkuro or Nile. Um, I thought this was an interesting comment because we get to learn about how Fira would actually stack up in strength against other immortals. Like an, It's an interesting tidbit to keep in mind because all this time I never saw Fira as like super strong despite his like immortality. Like, I know he's very strong. Like, he did kind of um 
beat Miser, but I couldn't actually tell how strong Miser was either. Um, so yeah, like everything else considered, um, I like that we get to know that like Firo is quite a skilled fighter. Um, that's good to know. Now, Firo is very wary to start a conversation with Huey. In fact, that's the general state of his entire this entire conversation. Firo is continually getting frustrated by Huey or concerned or put um like one up by him. Um, like Firo sees Huey as this separate being who is the cause of like a lot of chaos in his life and who is also the target of his mission and also just someone he just can't fully comprehend. Like these three ideas are like pervasive like all throughout this conversation. Um, it really helps like immerse you into the conversation between these two and a lot of like Firo's responses to Huey's questions like thinking what he's saying doesn't make sense or getting confused by his pranks um, are very much like the journey the reader's going through as they're reading this portion as well. And it's not like what like Huey's saying is completely illogical. He's actually very logical to an extreme degree and any extreme will be like met with a certain amount of like confusion because it's so out of the ordinary. Um, so Fira is like hesitant to ask his first question, but then after a bit, he asks it. Um, he asks Isaac why he's there. Um, Isaac gives a fairly like nonsensical answer, of course. Um, and eventually Huey asks Isaac to leave and thanks him for the stories that he got to hear. Isaac says something funny. He asks Huey to endeavor to make the people in the prison more happy. They're, you know, gloomy for some reason. Um, I think this line is actually really important. I mean, it's also really funny because, you know, it's it's prison. Like, what do you expect? Isaac is a prison. <laughs> um, but also, I think it's important um, in the sense that it helps highlight the similarities between Alma and Isaac, which Huey notes, like, kind of towards the end of the scene. Alma always wants to make things positive. Um, he feels the need to do that. Um, Isaac also makes things positive as well. Though, in my opinion, the way in which they deviate is that Alma, while being, like, certain, has, like, a certain scent of, like, delusion. Um, he's also quite cognizant of his own delusion. Like, he knows that, like, what he wants is kind of extreme. Like, he's not fooling himself all that much. Isaac, on the other hand, his positivity stems from, like, complete ignorance. And, of course, people, you know, like, of course, people are going to be gloomy in prison. Like, Alma would recognize that more forthcomingly. And Isaac just doesn't even, like, he doesn't even register. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Now, after Isaac leaves, we get a slight shift from Huey. His smile that was so kind of bright, I mean, it wasn't, like, super bright, but it was kind of bright, becomes, like, more cold. Um, Huey even comments about how he likes to cause mischief sometimes, and he's talking about how he taunted Firo by using his left hand. Like, he knew Firo would be scared with a feint like that. He knew that Firo would... Uh, immediately kind of back off because he would think like another immortal is trying to eat him with their right hand though despite this kind of apology from Huey this isn't the last bit of mischief in this scene like there's plenty of it um but at the same time you have to like weed out what parts are him just having fun and how much of it is actually real like that's kind of like the mystery of this guy now Huey does answer Fira's question about Isaac he says that he was intrigued in Isaac because he's an immortal um, prior to the answer of why Huey is interested in Firo, Firo states to Huey that he should no longer, like, mess with his family. Like, he can do whatever he wants, but he just can't mess with the people that he cares about. He can't mess with Ennis. Huey says that he will not as long as Firo cooperates. And this is why Huey is interested in Firo, because of Zillard's memories. Of course! Um, this makes so much sense. Um... And for the life of me, I actually couldn't figure out why Huey would be interested in Firo. 
Uh, but it makes so much sense that it would be because of um like Zillard's memories, um that they would intrigue Huey. Like it's Zillard's memories. Huey goes into like the more psychological aspects of what it means for Firo to have such memories. He specifies the insecurities Firo is undergoing like quite succinctly. He outlines how Firo is having like an identity crisis on how he's like trying to hold on to himself for dear life and not merging with like the bad aspects from Zillard. Like he doesn't want to change. Now Firo asks a question that we're all wanting to know. What are you doing Huey? Like what's the plan? Huey says once again that his plan is to summon the demon. But I think we get a more like in-depth perspective into how Huey actually thinks. Huey says deep down he like he wants to know what comes next. I simply want to know. And that's all. After this line, we get a really in-depth response. He first talks about how he used to have more of like an existential related questions about like the the meaning of life and why he was born, but he quickly got tired of such thoughts. He realized he could find so many answers to such questions that he ultimately found it meaningless. Even though he knows the answers are inside him, it means little to him ultimately. So now he's interested in the answers other people have found. Philosophers, innocent children, the wicked, the good, the contrary, the fools. I simply want to know how different people find like meaning in their life and the truths that they have. I simply want to know. That's all. Then he goes talking about like various questions that plague him like ESP, murders, etc. He goes into how he doesn't need a point to all of that. He just needs to know and that's all. Uh, Then we get like a really interesting part where Fira asks if he could learn something from something. Would he be willing to destroy the world? Like Like if destroying the world meant he could actually learn something, would he do it? And Huey says for the sake of knowledge, then yes. Then Huey starts like cracking up and showing his ultimate lunacy and then says, I'm kidding. Like, I'm just kidding. Like, did you think I was just acting on such a pathetic motivation? Like, good grief. Like, I was a child when I believed that the world should be destroyed. So like, a lot of what he said was kind of a prank. Um, What I find interesting is that when Huey says, did you think I was acting on such a pathetic motivation? It almost feels like he's talking to the reader. Like, based on so many of the interactions from Huey that we've seen, so much of it showcases a character who just wants to know things. That's how his character has been boiled down to. Um, Now, I don't think that this part of his character isn't fundamental, but like Huey said, he doesn't have such pathetic motivations. So it's almost like the author is saying to us, the reader, Huey's not that simple. Like, don't think Huey is just such a simple guy. There's more to him, obviously. Someone like Huey not understanding that destroying the world is silly. Like, that would be childish. Like, yeah, he does have, like, an internal yearning to just know things for the sake of it, right? But he's not willing to create, like, uh, you know, the apocalypse just for that to happen. Like, you know, he may have had those thoughts when he was a kid, but he knows that's not the case. Like, the extreme parts of my personality isn't going to be so simple that I don't understand that destroying the world is a bad thing. Now, obviously, now that um, like it's revealed that Huey was kind of messing with Fira the entire time as well, obviously, Fira is kind of ticked off because he knows he's being teased. But I think this is where we get a bit more like sincerity, where Huey talks about his only friend. I think this truth, I think this is like complete truth that he's speaking. He talks about Alma and how he wants to bring joy to everyone he sees and how he wants to make everyone on the planet with different mindsets, religions, politics, etc., good people, and villains alike happy as well. Like, that's what he wants. Huey considers him to be completely insane. 
a lunatic, a false villain, but he's also his friend. And you get the vibe that he is the dear one. Like, he thinks very fondly of Alma. So Huey cuts to the chase, essentially, and says that what he wants to do with Firo is business, actually. He'll compensate him with cash for the information he provides him um, from Zillard's memories. If he doesn't, I mean, if he does that, sorry, um, then Ennis is fine. He'll order Christopher to never approach Ennis again. Huey also states that he will give Firo like a few days to kind of ponder it, um, and that also that he will be leaving soon. If Firo agrees, um, he'll give like an advance payment and provide information about his method of how to make contact. Like that's the information that Victor wants Firo, and that would complete his mission, right? Mission accomplished. Firo can get the hell out of there. He doesn't need to deal with all these crazy people. Everything would be all good for him. Now, we end the scene with a pretty fun line. Um, Fira asks, what the hell are you? And Huey says that he's merely a researcher. Obviously, um, the victor and the senator don't seem pleased with this idea that's been reiterated. So I think this idea of Huey being a researcher is kind of integral to Huey's character. Like, while I think Huey just wanting to know stuff is a real aspect of his character, that wanting to know does seem like an attribute that any researcher would have, right? You have to have a certain amount of curiosity. That being said, Huey also scoffs at the idea of wanting to know so much that you would destroy the world. So his knowing has a cap or he sees like the folly in that kind of thinking or just wanting to know. He sees the folly in that. Um, So perhaps the question we should have isn't if Huey is a researcher or not. It's more like what kind of researcher is Huey? Like what is research to Huey? Um, And that's how the scene ends. Oh, actually, um, like, lastly, like, Lisa pops by, and we get more information about, like, Huey's character. She talks about how there's an enemy who keeps getting in her way, a guy with a big-ass wrench. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's Graham, right? And that the Lamia members can't do anything about him, so he's plenty strong. I doubt that they're talking about Christopher, um, like, or Chi. Like, Chi was incapacitated, as far as we know. Um, and Christopher was, like, badly hurt. And I like I don't know we don't really know what happened to him. Um, also, like Christopher's super strong, so like I mean I feel like it would be really surprising for someone who can like somewhat deal with Claire to be um, you know really struggling so much with like Graham unless Graham is like incredibly powerful. Um, but yeah. Now the part where we hear about Huey is through like Lisa's comments. She says that when Huey was talking with Vero and Isaac, he was having fun. Like, actually, like, having a lot of fun. And Lisa is kind of a bit jealous and psychotically says that she wants to kill them for capturing his attention so easily. Huey mentions that while he talked with Isaac, it reminded him of his past, of an old friend, and that Isaac resembles him. His personality, or perhaps the way he's out of his mind. Uh, I wonder what, like, out of his mind means. Like, the fact that Isaac acts insane like Alma. Or is it, like, literally out of his mind? Like, Alma and Isaac, I don't know, like, I don't think they overthink stuff that much. Like, Alma just wants to kind of help people he sees. Like, seeing people with your eyes is something you do when you're outside of your mind. Like, Isaac's simplicity also showcased, like, a lack of forethought. Like, another way someone is out of their mind is to not overthink stuff and to just kind of help people. Maybe he's seeing, like, people who are less, like, overthinking in nature and seeing them as, like, somewhat free or something like that. I don't know, this is like complete speculation, like based off that one line, so it could go nowhere. Um, Anyway, like this scene, like wow, like this is such a good scene. Like I think it's the best scene of the novel so far. 
super interesting. Like, the conversation was great, like, between Firo and Huey, everything we learned. Like, it was so good seeing Huey have such fun, like, have such a fun personality as well. Like, he likes indulging in mischief, which makes everything just kind of fun and exciting. Like, even though he gives off, like, the cold, calculating type, and he is that type, like, he jokes around, and, like, his jokes and his calculating nature is kind of mixed. Um, so it makes it fun to watch. Um, like, also, we get to learn how his mind works, and um, it's it's definitely, like, really intriguing to read. It feels a lot like misdirection for now, maybe. Like, a lot of ideas about how he thinks um, are really interesting, and but we aren't really, like, fully allowed to, like, land anywhere and say, like, well, this is who Huey is. Like, it's still pretty vague, all things considered. Um, I also do think it's interesting that he mentions Victor and Senator Barium specifically in regards to him being a researcher. Um, I've been wanting to see more of, like, the Senator Barium guy, um, like, real soon. Like, from the prologue from the previous novel, he was really interesting. Like, he had, like, this goal of showing, like, the power of humanity and this and that, and we haven't really seen him, so I want to see more of him. Like, furthermore, it feels like Graham will be, like, part of the story and not just a character that we're getting, that's just getting mentioned. Like, he might just be in, like, the next novel or maybe at the end of this one, I'm not sure. Um, so there's a pretty good amount of hype going for him as well. And um, I think that's enough to make him interesting. Uh, overall, I loved getting into, like, Huey's psyche and Firo and their, like, dynamic. Like, like Firo is a really good character for Huey to also bounce off. Um same with like Isaac and I wonder what decision Fira will actually make um like will he help Huey or will he not um either way like the fact that Alma is also like so intertwined with Huey is also just really good I feel like I've said that a bunch of times um I just really love that connection and it shows like the more subtle parts of Huey's character it was really great seeing that like Isaac and Alma have similarities but then also like you like you know what the differences are as well because Elm is like a fully fledged character and so is Isaac. So that was also like super super good to see. Um, but yeah, I just really want to kind of reiterate again just how interesting Huey's mind kind of is. Um, I really like that line where he talks about like, um, like he did his research and then he found all these um, you know, these truths about how like existential stuff works and this and that, and eventually he found so many you know ideas from like other people or whatever, um, that he. I mean, not from other people. He found so many, like, um, answers that he no longer found it interesting. And now he's like, well, what makes other people feel alive? What gives them meaning? Um, and what are their truths? So I thought that was, like, a really good perspective to have. Um, and just makes Huey's character just even more interesting. Because he's gone through, like, a little transition from, like, what he thought to, like, where he is now. Like, he's never going to be that simple character who just wants to know, wants to know, wants to know, and then wants to, like, destroy the world. I mean, he wants to summon a demon, so that's pretty crazy. But so did Miser, right? We know that Miser summoned a demon. Um, like, you know, like, you still... Like, it's still hard to land on, like, who Huey is, despite this this, um, this entire conversation. But I think I think it's a pretty good foundation to be like, okay, so this is, this is what Huey is like, at least a little bit. Now, just out of all the scenes that we kind of went through in this um, episode, I'm just kind of going to list, like, the scenes that kind of stood out to me. Um, so the conversation between Lad, Fira, and Isaac was really good. Um, I feel like I kind of iterated just how much sort of like a in, like a great dynamic that these characters kind of had. Um, also the scene where Lad kind of shows how terrifying he is to Firo again. Um, I thought that was great as well. Um, also just everything about like Firo kind of coming to terms with the situation he was actually in. I thought that was really good too. Um, just Isaac in general, like <laughs> he's just funny. He's so oblivious, but he's also like just the comparisons between Isaac and um 
Isaac and Elmer were just great as well. Just talked about that. Um, and yeah, the conversation between Huey and Fira was just amazing. Like that was just such an amazing conversation. Oh, and just kind of like an honorable mention, which is that scene with Ronnie where he's talking to someone and we don't actually know who he is, um, who the person is. And they're trying to like help out someone who got taken to prison. Um, just that entire scene, it was very uniquely done. Um, yeah, just loved it. And yeah, keen to see where all of this goes. Um, and yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. All right, bye.